Hello and welcome to episode 251 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, what's the latest? Um, one of my kids had a birthday. Ah, happy birthday. Which one? Uh, the youngest. Yeah? He's the mm-hmm. one that loves money. Did you give him cash? Oh, wait. No, no. That's the second. Oh, the second oldest se- loves oh. money. Oh, I don't, I'm I, sure I, they all love money on some level. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the idea that the baby was the one that was like all about the cash, but no, it's not the baby. No, no, no. no uh, yeah, but uh, he did get uh, Amazon money and um, fruit snacks. He loves fruit snacks. <laughs> awesome. Sounds like a perfect birthday. Yeah. Um, today on the show, we have some PSAs about the LSAT Flex and also about LSAT writing. We have a question slash commentary from a listener about changes to the admission cycle because of COVID. We can do some, I've got some thoughts on COVID. I think we need to have some, we need to have like a COVID update. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not that I know anything, but I just, I think we need to talk about it a little bit. Sure. Uh, we have a law school update from a listener, basically a success story, and someone who used our personal statement service. Hmm. It worked out well. Okay. We have a question about, uh, it's from a freshman in college who wants to know if he's too soon on preparing for the LSAT. We got a couple logical reasoning questions uh, from Prep Test 65. We'll get to at least one of those, see how much time we have. Maybe we'll do two. Okay. And we have an update from uh, Dean Fagman of UC Hastings on his uh, litigation against the city of San Francisco. Lovely. It's a long-ass email. Ain't no way we're going to read all of that. Has he ever written way... a short email? No. No, no. <laughs> no, he has not. The show is going to air on Monday, June 22nd. Uh, upcoming events include the uh, July LSAT Flex is going to start on Sunday, July 12th. We've got a registration deadline for the August LSAT. Um, Wednesday, July 15th is going to be the the deadline to register for August. We have no idea whether that's going to be flex or not. Ben, you've already prognosticated that you do think that that will become a flex. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, that's that test is scheduled for Saturday, August 29th, but uh, who knows. All the tests, by the way, for the 2020 and 2021 testing cycle are open for registration on LSAC.org. So if you want to look for those uh, registration dates and whatnot, you can go to LSAC and sign up. You can email the show. Uh, We are help at thinkinglsat.com. Our awesome producer, Annalisa, will get back to you uh, in a flash, apparently. (laughs) It's sort of like her brand (laughs) to get back to people immediately, (laughs) especially when she does the help requests for the demon, which, uh, Annalisa, we are very grateful for you getting back to people so quickly Yeah, in those customer service emails. That's really important. So thank you. If you enjoy the show and you want to help us out, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can just tell a friend about it as well. Um, we still have no marketing budget whatsoever for the show or for anything we do. (laughs) So we we rely on your, uh, goodwill out there in the internet world. Let's see, should we dive in? Oh, let's do it. Let me make just a pitch for my new class that I'm doing in the LSAT demon live. Uh, I'm doing it this Wednesday as a pop-up 
just a one-off thing. But Wednesday night, Ben, is going to be game night for all of our LSAT Demon Live subscribers. So D&D? It's not D&D, and it is not uh, Gloomhaven or Dominion or any other awesome online game. It's going to be even better. It's going to be LSAT Logic Games. And the way the class is going to work is uh, basically you just show up, bring in a game you want, and I will fire them up on the whiteboard, and we'll just kind of talk about it. I don't know. I think it's going to be fun. I might have a cocktail during that because it does seem like game night. I've seen all the games before. Yeah, I don't have to be super careful with it because we have videos for all the games already in the demon. So I can just be like, if I fuck it up, I'll just be like, oh, well, whoops, oops. <laughs> yeah, Watch Ben's video. I'm sure Ben did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think it'll be a fun class. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with the with the demon live students. So um, yeah, yeah, just figured why not? Cool, man. That's yeah. exciting. You want to check out these uh, PSAs <laughs> that we have? Yeah, we got three, three PSAs. Three PSAs. Yep. So number one, two nights at Hotel hotel for Flex. Oh, yeah, okay. So um, <laughs> a student wrote in and said, hey, look, um, here's my res- my email from LSAC. And they were allowed to stay at their hotel for two nights to accommodate the fact that the <laughs> test was going to be administered, I think, at like 2.15 in the afternoon. Yep. And so that's too early for check-in, and yep. that's too late for check-out. So yep. LSAC is covering their hotel for two nights. Now, that's I awesome. still think that they were capped at $125. I'm not sure about that, but either way, it happened. And that's the same uh, listener who got a tablet from LSAC. <laughs> All right. Return it when, to get their score. It's amazingly it. generous. I mean, it for is. a test mm-hmm. that costs two hundred bucks for you to even take it. I, mm-hmm. Do you happen to know if the student got was also a fee waiver, LSAC fee waiver? I'm pretty sure they were. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, that makes kind of more sense. But they're yeah, they're bizarrely. I mean, it's unbelievable. They have mm-hmm. a lot of money apparently. Um. <laughs> They're, or they figure it's cheaper to do that than to get sued, maybe. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and they have been sued many, many, many times. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So for the LSAT Flex, if you don't have a convenient place to take the test, you know, with reliable internet or a quiet space or whatever, they're willing mm-hmm. to put you up in a hotel to take the Flex. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a computer, which it kind of strikes me as bizarre in 2020 that you would be signing up to take the LSAT, but you don't have a, any kind like a computer that would work to take a, the flex on. It's kind of strange, yeah. but I guess some people don't, you do have mm-hmm. to have like a working webcam. I know sometimes people's cameras are fucked up, but if you, so anyway, they will ship you a tablet. Is that what they've shipped? They shipped it. They got lots of those. Yeah. They got, <laughs> They're like, let's make use of these. Yeah, I'm sure. How many are sitting in storage? At least ten. They're like, ah, just keep it. It's, we got plenty of them. So they're shipping. They're shipping out one of those tablets. I wonder if they are. Do you think it's the same tablet? They look like it. It was a Microsoft Go in okay. the picture. Mm-hmm. So they're shipping out the tablets for you to take the flex on, and they'll put you up in a hotel room. Now you have to game the system, Ben, because. Um, Proctor U, when you when you sign up with Proctor U, you you pick a time oh, for the yeah. flex. Mm-hmm. So if you're smart, you pick a time that's after checkout, but before check in, because <laughs> Boy, then they up. have to put you up in the hotel for two nights. 
Who wants to stay in a hotel for two nights? Well, it's like a little vacation, courtesy of the law school admission oh, okay. council. Sure, sure. You know, you have you can't stay in like a nice hotel. But is, it, can, is this like a Best Western? <laughs> <laughs> Most westerns say, are right? kind of nice, actually, in California on the Central Coast. Oh, they are? I don't know. Yeah, okay. like in San Luis Obispo or whatever. Like the 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 Best Westerns are like not really they're whatever they're not like super fancy or anything, but they're pretty solid. Um, sure. So yeah, you know, if you can find a hotel that you would like to stay in that costs $125 a night or less, <laughs> then yeah, and then you schedule your test for like 2 p.m. Because that's definitely before check-in and mm-hmm. also after check-out. And so then mm-hmm. you have you get to arrive <laughs> the day before and then stay two nights. <laughs> That's how you could actually make money. You so it cost you two hundred bucks to take the test, but you can get two hundred fifty dollars a night, two hundred fifty dollars worth of hotel. Well, I think we're gonna have to verify that though, because I thought the one hundred twenty five was like a total. <laughs> but I don't know how this guy would go to a hotel for two nights. It seemed like a decent hotel too. I can't remember the hotel, but I remember seeing the yeah. The, I saw that email. email. I thought that they covered it for him for. I thought that they covered it for yeah. for two nights. I mean, because yeah. how could they not? We were actually speculating about that on the show. We yeah. were like, "Wait, what if? How does that work with checkout time?" <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah. I mean, you know, if you schedule your test for like six p.m., then clearly you're only going to be able to get one mm. one night because that's going to mm. be you know before check in, and you can take it that same day, and then yeah. <laughs> Anyway, what other PSA do we have? We got number two, the flex clock and directions. Apparently, the flex displays the instructions while the 35-minute timer is ticking. Students are caught caught unaware. Not sure if this is how the digital LSAT always is. It is, by the way. But yeah, we this is my email, by the way. You don't have to read oh, all that. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, can we just talk about it? Is it th- so this is a thing, right? I, I don't even think about this the is instructions. A thing. Yeah. The so instructions never is, change, right? They're just they never on the, change on the paper the test. Boring. They were always at the top, mm-hmm. and you would just not even read them because you know what it is. You just have to do the questions. It's like there's no point yep. in reading the instructions. But what's going on now with the digital LSAT and the the flex? Apparently, is the same. Yeah. So when the proctor starts the section, you're taken to a screen in which you can see the navigation. So you can see the the list of questions at the bottom of your screen. Uh, but you have this this other message, the directions that are overlaying the uh, text. So you can't see the actual section. And um, you got to get rid of those directions to see the questions, but the timer is already ticking. Uh, that's true on the digital LSAT and on the Flex. It's stupid. I mean, no one needs to read those directions. You shouldn't read those directions, but that is a bummer. I mean, I had because I had at least one student said claimed that they like looked at the instructions for five minutes because they. Oh my gosh! Well, they didn't think that the time. They just didn't know that the section had started. Like they thought, yeah. oh, the instructions are taking up the whole screen. Like, where's the first question? You know, and they were like just kind of sitting there waiting. Yeah. Well, I have to apologize then because that's one thing that the demon does do. It waits. Uh, we did that for various reasons, but um, we won't be doing that going forward. Going forward, we probably need to, when you click start, it should display the directions. It, so it does display the directions. That's part of the confusion, but the timer doesn't start until you oh, uh, hide them. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, there were various reasons we did that. But anyways, we will we will remedy that. 
So yeah. Anyway, those I'm instructions sorry. never change. You should be familiar with them. It actually doesn't even matter if you are familiar with them because if you're familiar with the questions, then you're familiar with the questions. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, when the timer when they say when they start, it's going. <laughs> so you need to get rid of the instructions and start working on the first question. Okay, yeah. PSA three. Yep. LSAT writing show both sides of the paper. Oh, so this is can't. Uh, hmm, I don't know if we can say his name, but someone wrote in and said, "Hey Ben, I made a boneheaded move and accidentally forgot to show both sides of my paper when I was doing my writing sample. I saw on Reddit that other people made the same mistake, but were fine. I was curious if you if you had any insight on this. Um, I don't think they're going to care, but just to be sure, make sure you show both sides of your paper so they can't dock you for it." Yeah, you could get some Proctor U Proctor who just really is, you know, Boy Scout. Yep, wants to earn the tip of the spear. Going to really defend (laughs) the integrity of the LSAT writing by, you know, making everybody stick to the letter of the law. So you should. I wonder what cheat sheet you'd bring into uh, the writing sample. (laughs) (laughs) I do not. What cheat sheet would you bring into the test, too? That's another funny thing. I mean, I remember when I took it a long time ago, someone in front of me had a Kaplan one-sheeter. It was like, you know, this like kind of hard plastic. It wasn't quite in a half by 11, but anyways, it had all of... Laminated list of turds? Yeah, yes. A laminated list of turds. An LLT. Anyways, they were looking at... They were just like, you know, trying to digest that right before they went into the test. don't understand the purpose of that. <laughs> it was like, read the question stem first, skip around <laughs> on the logic games, and try to pick the one that you think you like the type of the best. Uh, also, on logical reasoning, skip through the questions and do the types that you're the best at. <laughs> Remember, you're racing the clock. You only have 35 <laughs> yeah. minutes. Remember, that you must one answer every question in at least <laughs> in 85 seconds. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We know that wasn't helping anybody. They should give you extra bonus points if you if you read that before the section starts. Yeah, if you do well, it's like a handicap. Reading this, <laughs> wow. All right. Well, um, no, I don't know how you would ever cheat on the LSAT writing, but you should just follow all those instructions just in case. I mean, yeah. So this student was freaking out. He, he like emailed. He called me. I was with a student. I couldn't answer. He also. I mean, he was just like frantic about like what's going to happen with my LSAT writing. I mean, I, I thought worst case they were just going to cancel it and make him do it again. Right? I can't. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine that he's going to get like a demerit or like a black mark on his permanent record or whatever. And isn't it like fifteen dollars? I mean, we're not talking like two hundred here. No, so. right. It's not. Like getting getting your official LSAT canceled would suck because that's like two hundred bucks and the whole day. You have to wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No LSAT writing. Yeah, you can also do LSAT writing anytime. So now nah, don't don't worry about that one. I don't think. Okay, ready for this next yep. thing? Okay, I I scanned this before the podcast. I got this is not a well written or reasoned email, unfortunately, but it's going to give us the opportunity to do some COVID speculations, which I would really like to do. Okay. Says, Hey, Annalisa, thanks for responding to my email. See, Annalisa, she's all over it. She's just (laughs) customer service. We're going to just retire and let Annalisa take over. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Uh, It says, I'm curious to see if Ben or Nathan or you for that matter, (laughs) 
Have, so <laughs> she's also becoming, yeah, perfect. She could just take over. Have yeah. any updated thoughts on the situation now that the virus is beginning to wind down for the most part? I don't know that that's true. I think people are acting like it's winding down. Right. So <laughs> I, uh, this is Oscar who's writing in, and thank you, Oscar, very much for writing in, but I will question your conclusion that COVID is winding down for the most part. I would say that this is more like the break in between the first and second quarter of the game, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. this ain't the final stages of this by any stretch of the imagination. If anything, it's... <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, I was wondering if anything has changed in the response in terms of what the guys and you, Annalisa, think the next cycle will look like. It seems to be that a lot of schools are locking in who they can for this cycle, but do we think it will be the same next cycle now that the virus is beginning to wind down? I'd imagine that the amount of people who deferred this year will take up top spots next year in addition to more people applying than usual due to the incoming recession. Happy to hear you and your team's thoughts. And then Oscar wrote again and said, for what it's worth, a few of the law school forums I subscribe to are looking at the amount of applicants for the LSAT this year in comparison to the same months of last year from January to September. That is to say... January through September of 2019, approximately 93,000 test takers. In contrast to January to September 2020, and then it says about 43,000 applicants. Hmm. Can you make any sense of that? Uh, I hope it's a typo because otherwise we're just comparing apples to oranges. Right? I mean, applicants versus test takers. Yeah, so if he meant test takers. Yeah. But I see another problem with the logic there. Hmm. How does he know how many test takers there are January to September of 2020? (laughs) Um, That's a good question. I mean, they might have information on how many people are currently registered for the tests January through September of 2020. But the registration is still open. Oh, people would still be registering, yeah. Hmm. Wait, I mean, we just announced at the top of the show that the registration deadline for August is not until July 15th, which means that there's, there is a September LSAT, right? There's an August 29th LSAT, so that's essentially... Oh, maybe there's no September LSAT. No September. There's October uh, 3rd. Huh. In that case... Yeah, and okay, so but now we're not counting that October test, and the tests are not exactly the same schedule as they were last cycle. So I just don't know that this is meaningful at all. Hmm. But could could be? Could there be that dramatic of a decline in the number of people who actually took the LSAT because of COVID and flex and all that? Okay, so I just pulled up yeah, some let's data hear it. from LSAC. Good, thank you. Okay, so this is actually application data because that's really what we want, right? Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot more sense to... than test test taker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess we could extrapolate from test takers as well, but this is more direct. So, this is as of June eighteenth, two thousand twenty. Holy shit! That's yesterday for at least that the is recording yesterday. of the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is what it says. So I'm on lsac.org. This is actually report.lsac.org. 
threeyearcomparison.aspx. Okay. Mm. It says, as of June 18th, 2020, yesterday, there were 366,000 applications submitted by 60,000 applicants for the 2020-2021 academic year. Okay. okay, and those should be all in by now. Yes. Yep. Unless you're trying to get away with some sneaky last minute because of COVID. Because we've talked about this. I mean, there could be a lot of people deciding to defer or deciding mm-hmm. not to go this year. I can see yeah. people getting weirdly lucky this cycle, like sneaking in applications late. But anyway, hmm. most of them should be in. Most of them should be in. So how many is so, it? So that's about 60,000. It's 59,399. And what do we have compared? We can compare that to the previous yeah. year? Yeah. So it says, well, this is, yeah. And I don't know how helpful this is going to be because a lot of this stuff had happened. No, most of the applications should have been in before yeah, COVID. COVID, really, right? Like what this yeah. happened at the first week of March. Is that about one of yeah, I Shit remember really March 16th was kind of where yeah. like we started to believe it. So anyways, uh, as a country, as a collective belief there. Um, anyways, as compared to one year ago, current applications are down 0.9%. So basically 1% down. As compared to two years ago, current applications are up, or applicants, let me clarify that, applicants, which is really what we're concerned about, mm-hmm. uh, are up 2.4%. As compared to one year ago, the current applications are, oh, we are, okay, now we're talking about applications. Current applications are down 1.4%. As compared to two years ago, current applications are down 2.8%. Oh, that's interesting. So applicants are up, but applications are down. So people aren't applying to as many schools. That's a mistake. Um, yeah. Okay, so. Not much change. These are not, <laughs> yeah, the, those numbers are not significantly different. They're not significantly different, but they are, like you said, based on applications that should have been in before COVID hit. So maybe we do need to look at test data, huh? I don't know. I, my guess is that fewer people were able to take the test because of tests getting canceled and because of difficulties getting registered for the flex or whatever, or being worried about the flex and not wanting to take the flex for no good reason. My guess would be that tests are down a little bit. Do you have that? Yeah, it's pulling up right now. Um, okay, let's take a look. This graph is a little confusing, but we have registered test takers for the 2020-2021 year. That's all they're giving us? Well, that's kind of tough. <laughs> um, oh, okay, I can, oh, I can break this down. Okay, so last year... For the June test, we had 18,000 registered. Okay. And this year, we had 9,000. So that's half. Last year, July test was 24,000. This year, it was 20,000. This year, though, we also have the August test. Which last year, we had September. I don't think that's that much different. I think it's late August instead of early September. Yeah, I agree. Um, I want to so say it was September 8th last year. It sticks in my head for some reason. It's probably wrong. Uh, <laughs> Let's say that. <laughs> we'll just throw it out there. 
Um, so yeah, I wonder if there's anyone writing that down. They're like, oh, okay, let's do <laughs> I'm going to fact check Nathan on that. I'm going <laughs> to fucking burn this guy down on Reddit. Three Pinocchios. Um, <laughs> so right now there are 12,000 people registered for the August LSAT. Last year there were 20,000 people registered for it. But, you know, we still got time to go. So we really just have to look at June and July. And, um, yeah, that's probably the best test to look at, right? Because that's post-COVID. People could maybe, I don't know, change. Anyways, so it looks like it's like down maybe like 25%, 30%. That's less, fewer people taking the LSAT. Applications don't seem to have changed a lot. I, If we're going to do random speculation about the cycle, I would think that lots of people are going to sensibly defer this year or not go. I would think that the law school's got to be hurting pretty bad this fall. It just doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't be. Yeah. Could you and- imagine, Ben? We'll get to Hastings and their suit, their lawsuit about the tents and open air drug dealing that are happening in the Tenderloin because that's the Tenderloin. But can you imagine like moving to the Tenderloin to go to law school in the middle of COVID? No fucking way. Yeah. No way. (laughs) And lots of people, I think, are they don't want to go to law school online. So I think lots of people are just saying, hey, this ain't the year to go to law school. Sorry. Yeah. Which, I don't think that means they're not going to go to law school at all. So if I was going to randomly speculate, I would guess that that means that next cycle will be more competitive. I think it will be. And I think these numbers are low in June and July because a lot of people, like a lot of businesses, were acting like deers stuck in headlights. Right? Everybody's like, COVID happened and they're like, People oh, don't know what, what to do. What am I going to do? What do I do? And yeah. some of you, I don't know if I'm going to go to law school. I don't know if I'm going to do this. Justifiably. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think everything just kind of stopped, right? And yeah. so then people probably put off the LSAT. That's why we have lower numbers here. I bet a lot of those people, they're going to get used to the new normal. We always do, no matter how shitty it is, right? The Walking Dead, everybody got used to that. So <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, you just get used to You go, this is crazy. And then you go, okay, this is my new reality. So I think people are going to come back into the fold. Um I don't know, though. I, my prediction is that it won't be that much of an increase. Like, people are going to come back, but I don't think it's going to be this, like, wave and all of a sudden we're going to... I mean, yeah, you have the impending um, recession, but it's different than before. I don't know. I don't think there's going to be a huge... I think it's an expensive product. That's yeah. my prediction. Okay. So I think that we're probably, that's, I think we've covered Oscar's question. I mean, he, he says there's people speculating that because this recession isn't caused by an inherent flaw in the economy, contrasted with the financial institution failure of 2008, but instead it's caused by a pandemic. So the countrywide approach to jobs and higher education might be different in, in response compared to recessions of the past. That, that's a very content free um, <laughs> statement. It might be different. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. might be. It might I mean, be different. In what way? <laughs> um, little LSAT tip there. That's normally a bad answer for a strengthen or weaken question because different in what way, right? Could be used mm-hmm. as a strengthener, could be used as a weakener. We just don't know what you're talking about. So it's probably not the answer on a strengthen or weaken question. Anyway, Oscar, 
I don't, I don't, I, <laughs> the part of, I want to warn Oscar against uh, the idea that COVID is beginning to wind down for the most part. Um, ben, I don't know where you're getting your COVID data, but I put this uh, link in the comments there in the agenda. Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. you clicked on that yet? Uh, no, I just okay. clicked on it. Can you it. take yep. a look at it with me Yeah, for just a sec? Mm-hmm. So this is what I've been kind of monitoring over the past few months. It's yep. um, deaths per million, and it's mm-hmm. a rolling seven-day average. So deaths per million population so that we can mm-hmm. take out. It's just ridiculous when you see people comparing the total number of deaths mm-hmm. in countries that have vastly different populations. Don't do that, <laughs> idiots. <laughs> makes no sense. So here I have yeah. a bunch of like modern countries, and um, we can just see what the death rate you know, the, the seven day average moving death rate for, this is a little morbid. Sorry, y'all. Um, mm-hmm. at the peak, uh, which turned out to be on this chart, April 22nd was the highest, uh, that the seven day moving average for deaths got for the United States. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we had, um, eight people per million population dying, uh, every day at the peak. We now have uh, two people per million dying every day. <laughs> dying. Yeah. I like looking at deaths rather than cases because what we really care about is deaths, right? Mm-hmm. Cases is it's inherently flawed to look at cases because the more tests you do, the more cases you have. And deaths is like the stat that doesn't lie, or at least it's a little more clearly this person died of COVID. And so yeah. I think deaths is a better thing to look at. But my, my point is we have now reached this long tail. It is still slowly declining for now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is slowly declining, but we're still at, you know, a quarter as many people were as we're dying at the peak are dying now. And with the economy reopening everywhere, it's just inevitable that this is going to start ticking back up. Am I out of line to say that? <laughs> like, no, I, I would, um, I would be surprised if it didn't. Yeah, I would be surprised if it didn't. And I think especially in the fall, um, which we've got a ways to go still before the fall, but when schools start reopening slash people start gathering indoors more because of the weather gets colder, I read an interesting thing the other day, you know, Arizona, fuck Arizona, by the way, but you know, Arizona has the, Mm -hmm. um, has the, one of the highest rates now, like most growing COVID rates are in Arizona. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And people were speculating it's because of, uh, in Arizona, you actually have to be inside because it's so fucking hot. Oh, because Arizona is disgusting. But so the summer issue, so maybe (laughs) these viruses don't spread so much in the summer because of the because you're outside. The the heat is just the the location interesting. Because people are outside, people are more spread out. When you're yeah. when you're out when you're outside playing baseball or hiking or whatever, you're not probably getting covid or at least you're not nearly as much as you are if you're inside at a basketball game. For sure. It's you perfect know. ventilation. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Mhm. Okay. But I do want I I I um I'm irritated. I want Republicans and mm-hmm. Democrats to shut the fuck up. I want everyone to shut the fuck up. I'm so sick of it. It's just so stupid. I live in California what? where mm-hmm. our um, Democratic governor, Gavin Newsom, mm-hmm. tweeted like 
it, it's like, it comes off as so hysterical. All Californians are now required to wear a mask when they leave the home. <laughs> and <laughs> turns out that if you like click into it, there is like more fine print and actual, there's like more nuance to it than that. Yeah. But that's the announcement. And that's all anybody's going to hear is just the announcement. Mm-hmm. And when that's your announcement, it's just clearly pandering to people who already are on that team. Mm-hmm. That's not going to change anybody's mind about anything. Like I'm a skeptical, you know, I'm, I'm I lean left for sure, mm-hmm. but I'm also like a sensible, skeptical, skeptical person. <laughs> and so I hear that and it's like, wait a second. Okay. So you're mandating that everyone wears a mask. Like, the second they leave the house. <laughs> really, Gavin? <laughs> okay, first yeah. of all, what's your authority to do that? How how are you going to enforce that? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? Is the LAPD going to be out there like writing tickets and probably beating people up in order to enforce the enforce the mask requirement? What? Is it just, it, are you just declaring that we're required to do it? Because yeah. you're the governor and we are supposed to believe, you know, do what you say or whatever. And yeah, I can just, and I mean, Hey, I, I will obviously wear a mask if I go inside a fucking building. Yeah. But that's not the message. The message isn't like wear a mask when you're going to get close to other people or wear yeah. a mask when you're inside. It's just this stupid pronouncement of like, wear a mask all the time everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I just did some traveling, Ben. I like drove north and I saw my parents and I, which whatever you're not supposed to do. It's fine. I go to my parents community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't know a single person who has ever had COVID. They know that it's around. They don't think it's like entirely fake, but they're not mm-hmm. wearing masks anywhere. And they're, I mean, they're outside doing things and they're not, they're just not getting COVID. Uh, here's an interesting, uh, uh, observation regarding that. You're talking about that community, right? Well, I was in Home Depot the other day and Whole Foods and they, you know, they enforce the mask pretty yeah. rigorously, right? Yeah. And then my kids wanted to go to the dollar store. I was like, okay, all right. They're like, will you drive us to the dollar store? It's like, okay, sure. So I drive them to the dollar store and I'm like, you guys need your mask? They're like, They're like no, they don't wear them at the dollar store. Even the employees don't wear them. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's frightening, actually. That's like, yeah, it, 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 well, hey, it is hitting poorer communities worse than it's hitting, you know, um, more affluent communities. We know that for sure. It's hitting urban people more than it's hitting rural people. I just can't believe that the governor of the state of California is making a pronouncement like that, which, because I can, like, I know how my neighbors are going to react to that which is mm-hmm. most of my neighbors are going to be like, yeah, we're already wearing masks. We live in the city and we're like progressive liberal people. And we basically trust that this is the right thing to do for the community. So we're basically doing that. Even though I'm like, fuck you, I'm not wearing a mask when I'm hiking. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. fucking stupid. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> like write me a ticket yeah. <laughs> because I'm not doing it. And, but I will wear a mask in the store or the restaurant or whatever. Like I'm not a fucking idiot, but I can just imagine how it plays with the MAGA hat crowd. Mm -hmm. Like they see Gavin Newsom making that pronouncement and they're like, 
fuck that. This is tyranny. Masks don't even work. And COVID is a lie. And I'm never going to, you know, I'm not doing any of this stuff. And it's like, okay, well, so it's like you're making Trump look good to these people yeah, with your, because you're, it's not a nuanced message. It's not a, you know, and then like Biden on Twitter, he's got his profile picture is him wearing a A mask mask that's all sideways (laughs) and he looks like an idiot. And it's like, dude, you're okay. So you're pandering to the people who already want to do that. And you're making yourself look like an ass (laughs) for the people who don't want to do that. And so that's what it's going to be, Ben, from now till November. It's just going to be, we've, we've got fully politicized COVID. I'm looking up Twitter. Oh, wow. He, that mask isn't even on straight. I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know who in his social media thought that was a good idea. It's like, you look like a fucking idiot. And he's got his sunglasses on. He looks, I think he thinks he looks cool or I think he, I, you know, but it is for his team. It's like, that's their, that's what they're going with. Like, that's their message. You know, like we're wearing masks because we're good. We're strong citizens for the community and we're protecting ourselves by always wearing a mask. Even on Twitter, we're wearing a mask. (laughs) Why do we have such bad choices? I don't fucking know. Last time we had Clinton and Trump. Now I, I realize that some people love both of those folks, but I think they're both just like, not great politicians. I don't know. I don't understand. Now we have Biden and Trump. Gosh. It's just like two super old fucking white men and they're just like going to be yelling stupid things at each other for the next f- 4 months and I'm I'm fucking out. I'm out. I don't like they everyone can fuck off. I don't care. <laughs> like if someone I want one rational person, Ben, to be like, you know, we actually don't know. We really don't know a lot about this. We really don't. We, you know, I I want someone to say, well, we locked down the country because we were worried that the hospitals were going to get overrun. Mm -hmm. Turns out we did a decent job. The hospitals didn't get overrun. But like (laughs) people around here, like I have, I have like the ultra liberal, you know, urban friends who it's like they think that they're going to stamp out COVID. Yeah. Or it's like they think they're going to go on full quarantine until there's a vaccine. That isn't happening. That's a fantasy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could miraculously happen, but it's not likely The we don't have a flu vaccine that works with perfect certainty. I get the flu shot. I think the flu helps me to resist the flu. Yeah. Does the flu shot make me immune from flu? No. Am I immune from flu because I got the flu before? No. So it's like, I don't think coronavirus is going away and I don't think that we can like fully prevent it by, by taking crazily extreme measures. And so it's like, I I just, I don't know why any, why isn't anyone in the public eye, like in the middle ground? Maybe that's what I need to be, Ben. Maybe I should reinvent myself as like a centrist politician. Wouldn't you say Dr. Fauci is closer to middle? I mean, he's definitely on the pro like let's shut things down side but he seems to be more like rat like his comments are qualified 
Yeah, I haven't heard from him lately. I don't know why. I like. He's probably being suppressed, right? <laughs> I did hear days. something about how he. Someone asked him if he was going to the Trump rally, and he was like, "Fuck no, I'm not going to yeah. the rally." Yeah. <laughs> like no. <laughs> Are you crazy? No. <laughs> hey, he might but, not be going for COVID reasons. Reasons, but he might not be going for just other. He's like, I hate that guy. Reasons. No, I try to spend as little time as possible with that asshole. Um, hey, I gotta read you to. Uh, Biden's Twitter like you All know, right. yep. description. Can't wait. It says loves ice cream, aviators, and Amtrak. What? <sighs> what random things? He's trying to be human. I mean, that was his brand was like riding Amtrak, you know, because he's like such a good citizen that he would ride Amtrak from Yeah. Yeah, down from Delaware or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Still, it's just a weird like set of three things he's a douche uh, these, <laughs> <laughs> i have no enthusiasm whatsoever i you know whatever all right send hate mail to me directly i deserve it nathan at lsatdemon.com don't bother annalisa don't bother ben it's my own opinions but god fucking everybody could just shut up and if one person one person could just be like you know we just don't know we did the best we can probably locking down for four years while we wait for a vaccine that might never come is probably not the right answer. But I'm like optimistic actually, Ben, that we showed the ability to shut down to prevent the nightmare scenario of our hospitals getting overrun. Yeah. That's the best we can do. Now, if your grandma is 90 and would die the second she got COVID, then yeah, you got to be super careful about your grandma. Oh, you know, I should say, that's the best that we can do, given the level of preparedness that we are at. But it's pretty amazing what South Korea has done. Well, okay, I take it back. We could have done contact tracing. Yeah. Which we just didn't do at all. And we, um, if we had like more of a communal society, if that was my, like our culture... Yeah. was to put the society first, then we could have shut down, done contact tracing, and just basically eliminated it. I mean, it would still be around, and it would still be a risk, but if you do the contact tracing and stuff, then you can at least like get on it the second it happens. Yeah, but and not shut down. It's America. We don't. That's not how we are. We're dicks. We're, it's every man for himself here. That's how it is. Yeah. So, you know, it does seem like leadership could have gotten their shit together and done contact tracing instead of all of the nonsense that we did. That should have been basically the work program, right? It should have just been like, oh, you're unemployed? Great. You're hired as a contact tracer. Yeah. (laughs) That would have been a pretty good solution. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't do that. Put all that money into something useful. No, instead, it's like, did you hear this thing about like credit for travel? This is just some, it probably is fake news because now who even knows what's real anymore, right? You just hear like random headlines floating around, but something about like they had floated the idea of the next stimulus was going to be like a $4,000, like basically travel voucher for people to like encourage people to move around the country. Oh my gosh. (laughs) As a way of stimulating the economy and also simultaneously stimulating the COVID virus. politicians yeah i really wish they would shut up they do seem like people who you know couldn't do anything better with their lives they seem clearly interested in one thing only which is getting elected and they it's just you know it's the blue team and the red team 
and everybody is fucking stupid. Is that's my opinion. I'm not on either. <laughs> I'm not on either team. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's enough of that rant. As we lose half of our audience, who are all <laughs> super engaged citizens who feel strongly, probably everyone who listens is either on the red team or the blue team. I don't know about that. Is it? I, I hope, hope not. That. I I hope that we've got a we've got some independent thinkers out there or just some people who recognize how fucking stupid all these people are. God damn it. Okay. Anyway, um, next, uh, email. Yeah. This is from a former student of ours and, uh, personal statement service client. Uh, and it is a success story. Hey, Nathan, I wanted to update you on my law school plans. It's been a minute since I last emailed you with the world ending and such. Okay. Yeah. In case you don't remember my story, I had done your online class, The Demon, and listened faithfully to the podcast. I am redacted, and I have been a mm, for something 12 years. Okay. You helped me choose a topic and write a personal statement that showed I was a complete badass already, and that that badassery would translate to law. With a lot of hard work and some killer advice from both you and Ben, I applied to 14 schools at the beginning of October with a 162 LSAT and a 3.91 GPA. Side note, the 162 was my fourth official attempt. I improved 20 points from my diagnostic. Praise the demon. Wow. I've been hearing a lot of that lately. Yeah, people like that. No, not the praise the demon. I mean, that is... Yeah, so that's a great tagline. Oh. But I've I've been hearing a lot of people saying that they have improved their score fifteen or twenty points. Hmm. Wow. It's it's a learnable test. People improve a shit ton. I mean they have yeah. to work hard to get it, but yeah. Well, one thing that's cool about the demon is the science does back it up. You know? Like we're giving people problems right at right above their skill level. And that's supposed to be the best use of time. So that's the drilling feature specifically in the demon. The demon watches your mistakes and gives you questions that are at that just right level of difficulty. So it's like a stretch, a little bit of a stretch, not too much of a stretch, but just a little Mm -hmm. bit of a stretch. Mm -hmm. And yeah, people seem to be improving a lot. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it's working. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. I was admit, yeah. Um, I was admitted to 10 schools, waitlisted at two, and rejected from two. Okay. I applied broadly to a healthy mix of safeties, neutral, and reach schools. I learned that these schools don't always follow the mold and really do whatever the hell they want. For example, I was waitlisted at a safety school and was well above their 75th percentile in both LSAT and GPA. Probably just for yield protection. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably true. So maybe maybe they weren't just totally crazy. But I was given a full ride at multiple schools where I was just below the 75th percentile in both categories. Yeah, that actually kind of makes sense. So, but cool. Before I applied, I emailed every single school and requested CAS and application waivers. CAS is the... um, The $45 report fee for the credential assembly service fee that is a $45 email that they send out to every school. It's crazy. That's where they're getting all the money for the hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Don't feel bad about asking them for free shit (laughs) because they print money. 100% of my schools gave me an application waiver and a handful gave me a CAS waiver. Cha-ching. Yeah, I mean, Hmm. 
that's that's 45 bucks for every one of those CAS waivers and then mm-hmm. almost every school they waive those application fees pretty easily which are 100 bucks a piece something like that yeah crazy 75 100 125 yeah. yep that is well over the $1000 saved oh that is well over $1000 saved right off the bat I started hearing from schools as early as two days after I applied and as late as six months after. Well, that's good to know, by the way. Everybody take note of that. You can hear them here within two days or six months. A lot of people, you know, it's a panic time when they're waiting to hear back. I received a scholarship, i.e. promo code, to every school I was admitted to. What a joke wow. that is. <laughs> what a stupid system that is. Just <laughs> everybody gets a di- everybody gets a scholarship. Everyone's special. Okay. Everyone that is this uh this new right time period that we're in. <laughs> yeah. Six six of those schools gave me full rides and two of the six gave me a stipend. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. That means they're giving you money. Get paid for law school. Yeah. Once I had all of my initial offers, I began my negotiations. I found it interesting that some schools negotiated on a more personal level through emails, and some required paperwork submitted online with no discussion. Methodically, I I contacted the schools that had given me a partial scholarship, and if they could not upgrade me to a full ride, I withdrew. (laughs) Ruthless. Love it. Yeah. You got to make decisions, right? It's easier when you have choices. Then I worked through the full ride offers and asked for a stipend. Since I already had stipends on the table, I also withdrew from the schools that would not add a stipend to their offer. A couple of schools came back after I emailed to withdraw with slightly better offers, but they still couldn't get into the ballpark of my best offers. <laughs> so that's, again, after she's withdrawing, she's already told them, all right, guys, sorry, I'm withdrawing my application. And m- more than one of them are coming back with like, oh, well, wait, we talked to our manager and we have this other better deal. And still she's like, no, nope, yeah, I got other to our manager. Yep. Oh, oh, hold up. Uh, well, you know, this proves, I don't know if it proves, but it strongly supports the claim that you have made multiple times, uh, throughout this podcast. And that is to apply broadly when you have choices. Yeah. You can walk away. When you don't have choices, you can't walk away. Yeah, and here she is literally walking away, and then they're coming literally? back after her. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Figuratively. <laughs> yeah. Walking Maybe away. she well, did. Maybe she walked away from the If computer. she was in She's the like, office. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> she is actually withdrawing, is what I meant to say. And she yeah. is... And, and she... And they are still coming back after her, like, "Hey, wait a minute, we we have this other. We forgot. We told you that was our final offer, but actually, now that you've withdrawn your application and we know you're serious, we forgot. Here's more money. So yeah, you can't get you can't do that if you don't have the multiple offers uh, in negotiations. If you take a negotiations class, they call this the BATNA, which is your best." alternative to a negotiated agreement, BATNA. Mm -hmm. And she had great alternatives. So she's trying to negotiate an agreement. And because she has a high BATNA, she's willing to walk away. 
And when you have a high BATNA and you're willing to walk away, then the other side has no fucking chance in the negotiation. They just have to offer you more and more like the best they possibly can to keep you. Yeah. Okay. If anyone wants to read more about negotiation, I would suggest Never Split the Difference by, I think it's Chris Voss. But anyways, okay. talks about BATNA and that a little bit. Um, the key takeaway there is that you got to know that sometimes no deal is better than a deal. Yep. Finally, I narrowed down my options to Redacted and the University of Utah. Incrementally, they increased their offers over the period of a couple of months. Ultimately, I ended negotiations with a full ride, $5,000 yearly stipend, and no conditions at School Redacted X. Mm-hmm. and a full ride. A forty five hundred yearly stipend and a guaranteed paid graduate research position starting my second year and no conditions at Utah. Well Congratulations. Cow. Yeah, you just got yourself a corner office. Baller. Man, amazing. A golden parachute. Full ride stipend and a paid job her second year. With no With conditions. No conditions. She could just Get C minuses and keep all this. If you're just joining us, yeah, a lot of these scholarships, stipends, whatever, have conditions. You don't keep a certain GPA, you lose that money, which could be a huge hit, right? They're saying no conditions. Wow. Okay, nice work, by the way. Although Redacted School X had a higher stipend amount, yeah, $500, the salary from the graduate research position plus the stipend at Utah was a higher offer. Sweet. I would hope that it pays more than $500 a year. (laughs) But yeah. She continues, when the, I don't know, he or she, but anyways, when the pandemic hit, the Redacted was instantly shut down. Even now, months later, I don't have a job to return to. Honestly, I was really scared at first, but I've been working so hard to change careers that this poetically great timing for the whatever to shut down. This is poetically great timing for the. She had another job. She had another career, but she was like looking to get out of it. And COVID made it happen for her. COVID Mm -hmm. was just like, guess what? Your industry does not exist anymore. Yeah. A blessing in disguise. Yeah. I can't even begin to express how thankful I am that I found your podcast over a year ago. I had already unsuccessfully taken the LSAT once when I discovered the thinking LSAT, and you guys dramatically changed my approach to the test and the admissions process. Because of you guys, I can confidently say during these uncertain times that I am not paying for law school, and even better, I am being paid to attend a law school. I will be moving to Salt Lake City and starting at the University of Utah this fall. Everyone needs to work harder and follow every bit of advice from this podcast. Whoa. <laughs> Listen up, folks. Yeah. There is absolutely no reason to pay for law school. Yeah, can't agree more with that. Thank yep. you so much again. Call me Stress Free 1L. Ha ha. <laughs> cool. Uh, beautiful. That's one of the best emails I think we have ever gotten. Thank you, yeah. Stress Free. I'm going to go back and look at her personal statement. I remember that uh, it was pretty good, but hmm. yes, a win. Um, if you, you know, by the way, hey, everybody who's going to the University of Utah this fall and paying full price, uh, good luck competing with stress-free 1L while you're paying for her stipend 
her paying for yeah. her tuition and paying for her stipend. And, and her now you job. have to compete with her. Yeah, paying for her job her second year. And now you have to compete with her for grades. Good luck. Um, don't, you know, that, there's nothing wrong with that school. But if you're paying full price, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be there. You're, yeah. It's not good. You're going to have to compete with somebody who has better grades, better LSAT score, just better, better prepared than you are. And that's not a good bargain. So there's other law schools. Go somewhere else and make sure that you're getting the deal she's getting at whatever law school you go to or just don't go. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have an email here from Montez. Montez says, um, I'm an incoming freshman with close to 30 college credits. So basically a sophomore, this is, this dude is got his shit together. I think I, this is when I was still treating college like high school and taking every <laughs> class. I was taking a math class, taking a anyways. I don't know what I was doing. I was yeah, I was uh I was get, I was getting bad grades and planning to never go to grad school and definitely not thinking about the LSAT when I was a freshman in college. Anyway, I know for a fact that I want to go to law school. Whoa. Okay, I don't know if you know that. Yeah, well, we would like to hear the evidence for that rather than the just the naked conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, maybe Montez has lawyers in the family. Maybe Montez did three years worth of a, you know, worked high. Maybe his high school job was in a law firm. I don't know. It's yeah, possible. Maybe. He knows. But I would suggest that after he's taken thirty college credits, that's awesome. But you got to take more classes and just experience things that are totally outside your wheelhouse and see if you might not be more excited about something else. I don't know. Yeah. If we can talk you out of it, we're more than happy to talk you out of it. So it does seem awful young to know for a fact that you want to go to law school. Mm -hmm. I want to get the LSAT out of the way as soon as possible. I got a 149 on my diagnostic. That's damn good. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Right, mm-hmm. like you could improve your score by twenty points for a freshman and a diagnostic. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and I'm close to finishing the LSAT trainer. Wah 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 After completing, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I don't know. I don't actually know if it's that bad. I, people like it, but it, it they says like to it, read but the they, questions yeah, down first, they read the which makes me just be like. After completing, I plan on taking another test. Oh, wow. So doing that whole book and then doing another test Hmm. seems inefficient. I've been on Reddit looking for recommendations and everyone keeps recommending that I worry about the LSAT later and just focus on my grades. I'm not sure I agree with that advice, really. I, I don't think you're you should be able to do both. It's not like college. It's not like it's that hard to get good grades. Let's be honest. Well, Shouldn't especially be. this guy, he's got everything going for no, him. No, this guy's Sounds got like shit he's together, like so. ready to do more stuff. Like right. Friday night, it's four p.m. It's like my friends aren't going to hang out till six. What can I do with these two hours? So right, right. Or he's like, oh yeah, I'm not going out drinking anyway. I'm <laughs> working on the LSAT because I'm a serious person. Um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't plan on doing anything too intense that would cause my grades to slip. And it'd just be something like an hour a day, which is what we always recommend anyway, to do an hour a day of prep. I, I have no problem with a, I mean, it, it does seem 
too soon to be so certain that you want to go to law school, but maybe he has reasons, whatever, give him credit for he is on the law school path. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing an hour a day of LSAT prep. You should be able to still get straight A's and do an hour a day of LSAT prep. Well, I would argue too that your LSAT is going to actually, if you study the LSAT, especially just in the demon, just do practice problems and get better at them, your grades are going to go up. It's It's just going to make you smarter. It's going to make you smarter. You're going to be a better reader, a better thinker. Um, I didn't even think about that, but yeah. (laughs) If you drill the shit out of logical reasoning and get good at logical reasoning, that seems like the best thing you could possibly do to make yourself smarter. I mean, maybe we need to rebrand like the demon and have like LSAT demon and then just like demon. Or, or something, right? And just let people go do logic games and whatever, logical reason, all that stuff. Yeah, I, I would love for high school kids. How old's your oldest? Uh, he's going to be 16 soon. Yeah, I'd love to see like what he would do in the demon. Just, yeah. you know, I, I know he'd be, he'd be, you know, it's not like he's going to miss every question. For sure, he'd be getting lots of questions right. And as he reasons his way through them, I'm sure he'd be getting smarter and, no way. This is actually. I'm gonna have him do that because I just subscribe to a, like a learning platform, you know, that all the kids can use during the summer because they do need a little like mental stimulation in that regard. And it's it's easy. I just say go to do this thing for like 15 minutes or 20 minutes every day, right? It's have has reading, math. Why not? I think I'm gonna have him do the the demon. Yeah, totally. Is, thank you. If I start studying now, I'll probably try to take the test around April, May, or June of 2021 if I'm hitting my target score. So I guess what I'm asking is, uh, I guess what I'm asking for is your opinion on what I should do. Huh. Montez. Thanks. Um, yeah, that sounds like a great plan. Do, do the LSAT demon. I mean, if you want to study with us, do the LSAT demon. Do an hour a day. And that's perfect. Sure. Take the test in April, May or June. I mean, because this dude already has a full year of college credits, so he's probably going to graduate. He seems like he's got his shit together. He's probably going to graduate in three years. Mm -hmm. So if he takes the LSAT in, you know, a year from now, spring of 2021 or summer of 2021, then that's going to be actually the summer before his junior year. And then he's got two more years. He can start doing applications a year after that, like right before his senior year. Yeah. If that's really the way, I mean, yeah, my other advice is like, forget about all of this and plan on going and traveling the world for a year after you graduate and just like, don't make any decisions and wait. But if you're so sure, then yeah, get straight A's, start studying for the LSAT now, take it as soon as you're ready, then you're done with it. And then you can apply before your senior year and yeah, he could just waltz right into law school. Yeah. Also, if he, if he hates the LSAT, then that's another good sign that maybe mm. this is the right path. So yeah, know, I don't do think he's now. going to though. 149 diagnostic. I think yeah. he's going to make pretty good progress. I, I, I see this dude ending up knocking on the door of 170, especially if he does an hour a day between now and next summer. I mean, that's like probably will get to 170. Yeah. My last advice would be to take um, look for electives that interest you, but that are far away from your current whatever degree that you. Yeah, but make sure you get an A in them. Make sure you get an A in, but if if they interest you, uh, and it sounds like he's gonna 
have his shit together. I, I just want him to, you know, expose himself to other domains. Take them past no pass, maybe if they're if if there's no uh, like if there's any chance if you if you don't if you know if you maybe you've heard that it's like hard or something. Take the class or audit the class. That might sure. even be better. But just grades really do matter a lot, especially for the top fourteen. Mm-hmm. And so it's like my advice normally for people if I if I'm advising someone who hasn't even started college yet. It's like, just make sure you get straight A's. <laughs> just yeah. get straight A's. Yeah. Step one. I don't care. Take whatever you want, but just get straight A's because it's going to make a huge difference for your application. Okay. That's it for Montez. Thank you for writing in. You ready to do this logical reasoning question? Let's do it. I think it's yours to read. Okay. This is from Test 65, Section 4, Question 3. Travel Industry Consultant. Several airlines are increasing elbow room and leg room in business class because surveys show that business travelers value additional space more than, say, better meals. But, okay, that's why they're doing that. But airlines are over-concerned about the comfort of passengers flying on business. Mm-hmm. They should instead focus on the comfort of leisure travelers because those travelers purchase 80% of all airline tickets. Okay. Um, I'm already upset. Are you? Yeah, I was actually surprised that you didn't start yelling uh, when you got to that semicolon. Mm. I, I was a little bit surprised that you that you didn't like... I, I mean, I, I bet you did in your head, right? Just like object to that? Sure. It is um, like... A, blanket conclusion at that point. Yeah. Well, it also goes again. I mean, you just said surveys mm-hmm. show that business travelers value additional space more than, for example, mm-hmm. better meals. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, but airlines are over-concerned about the comfort of passengers flying on business. And it's like the, mm-hmm. the needle comes skipping off of the record right there, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what? Wait, what? Yeah. Um, it's a normative uh, claim, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. over concerned, mm-hmm. has a judgment in it. Yeah. So that's the, that's just worth, <laughs> that's the type of shit that, that we need to notice. You, you get to that and then you're expecting evidence and then they do mm-hmm. give you some evidence, right? Yeah. They should instead focus on the comfort of leisure travelers. Okay. So they, they're too concerned about business folks. Instead, they should be more concerned about leisure travelers, the rest of us, because those travelers purchase 80% of all airline tickets. I agree with that fact. That sounds about right. Even if it isn't true, we have to accept it as true because it's a premise, but that don't matter, <laughs> right? Just because the number of tickets sold to leisure travelers is higher, um, five times higher, Right, that doesn't mean that they're making that much money from them. They're probably all economy tickets. Okay, so yep. So now you're pointing out the difference between revenue and just ticket sales. Yeah. As far as we know, it could be that the airlines lose money on leisure travel, Mm -hmm. and they only do that to fill up the plane so that they can charge the business travelers whatever they want to charge them right it could be 
it could be that business travelers are just like the key to this whole industry. Yeah. Maybe, maybe business travelers are also leisure travelers. Oh, think about that. Hmm. Right. Like that, that when they're not working, when they're not traveling for business, they might travel for leisure. Mm -hmm. But if you attract the business travel customers, then you might also get their leisure travel business. Mm -hmm. That's a good objection to make here. Yeah. Also, why not both? Lots of problems. Like, why wouldn't you service the business customers as well as you possibly could? What does pointing out that, oh, we sell more leisure tra- tickets, so? <laughs> does that mean we should just ignore the, dem- the, the requests or the desires of our, the other segment of our... Okay. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't want to hijack. Oh, no worries. Which one of the following? So the question says, which one of the following, if true, most weakens the reasoning in the travel industry consultant's argument? This is a bottom-up question. It's a weakened question. It's bottom-up because we have to accept all five answer choices as true, even if we disagree with them. Which one of the following, if true? So I'm looking for something that's, if it were true, would make me doubt the conclusion that they should instead focus on the comfort of leisure travelers. Okay. I'm going to be like, oh, maybe not, actually. A, business travelers often make travel decisions based on whether they feel a given airline values their business. Okay, well, that's probably true um, for, well, I don't know if that's true for everybody, but regardless... I don't know. I don't care about this because that could be true for leisure travelers as well. I don't know. It doesn't necessarily make me feel like the business travelers are more important than the leisure travelers. Also, it's uh, inherently weak, right? Because of the word often. Mm -hmm. Often Often. means sometimes. So the fact that they sometimes make travel decisions based on whether they feel a given airline values their business doesn't mean they always do. It could be that two business travelers do this. So it's an, it's an inherently weak answer, which is not a good answer for a bottom up question, right? We would prefer a, an always there would make that better. Yeah. But even then, I don't know that it really does that much because there might be other ways to make them feel that we value their business besides increasing the leg room. Yeah. You know, surveys it, say that they like leg room, but maybe if we smile at them when they come on board, they understand, you know, they feel that we value their business or we send them nice emails or we whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Well, also, this doesn't talk about the leisure travelers. So I'm like, I don't know why we should shift our focus more to them just because business travelers often make these decisions. I don't know anything about the leisure ones. Okay. B, some also weak. Some airlines have indicated that they will undertake alterations in seating space throughout the entire passenger area of their planes in the near future. (laughs) Okay. This talks about neither business nor leisure travelers. It only talks about at least one airline, and I don't really care about any of this. Also, alterations in seating space. We don't know whether it's up or down. Right. That's that could be that, that's a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier, where it's mm-hmm. just changes, but we don't know whether it's making more room or less room. So then how could it be a strengthener 
or a weakener. If I don't mm-hmm. know which way that goes, then I, I just, there's no way I'm going to include that fact in my brief <laughs> when I don't even know what that fact means. Yeah. Right? You don't. That's but your not, honor, they're going to undertake <laughs> alterations. Of course, that means they're making more room, your honor. Mm-hmm. It says alterations. <laughs> the judge is like, it doesn't say bigger. <laughs> the other attorney is like, alterations. Yes, they are making it smaller. Oops. Okay. Yeah. See, sleeping in comfort during long flights is not the primary <laughs> concern of leisure travelers. Whoa. Okay. Um, well, it still might be a concern. Either way, um, I, this is how I react to a lot of wrong answers. Like, yep. what? <laughs> yep, exactly. Because it's I, I expect the wrong answers to be wrong. Yeah. So when they bring up a new idea, the new idea doesn't automatically make it wrong. It's just like, wait, sleeping in comfort? Okay, that wasn't part of the argument. Mm-hmm. They talked about adding a little bit of elbow and leg room. That's not the same thing necessarily as sleeping in comfort. <laughs> Is anyone sleeping? They might not. Ugh, I wish I could sleep on planes, but I can't. But anyway, it's not the primary concern of leisure travelers. Yeah, I just read that and I go, uh, next? Like, yeah. what? D, a far greater proportion of an airline's revenues is derived from business travelers than from leisure travelers. Ooh. Boom. That just goes right at the heart of our concern. They're, they're basically trying to argue that they should be more concerned about leisure travelers because they make up such a great percentage of airline tickets. But do they make up a great percentage of airline revenue? Much bigger issue, right? Yeah. I mean, we know in real life that business class costs like five times as much as economy. <laughs> And so, I mean, yeah. that's, that's common sense. You know, lots of times students are like, well, but wait, but that's outside information. You're not allowed to bring that in, but I'm not bringing that in as fact. I was bringing it in as conjecture, right? I was bringing it in as what about, what if, what if that is the case as I, as I do happen to know to be true in real life, that business class mm-hmm. costs a lot more than economy and they had been talking about making these improvements to business class, talking about business travelers. And it's like, well, wait a second. Yeah, they might sell a lot of economy tickets, but they might make a lot more money off of the business class because they charge so much for it. Yeah. That was my like, yes, I'm using outside information in order to make that objection. Mm-hmm. But D makes that a fact because it's a bottom up Right, it says if true in the which one if true in the question stem, yeah. So now D becomes a fact that they make a far greater proportion of their airline revenues on business travel than they do from economy. Yeah. Perfect answer. Okay. Perfect answer. E. Most leisure travelers buy airline tickets only when fares are discounted. Cool, but we don't know whether they're still making more money from leisure travelers or not. We don't know what this means. So even though it has this stronger language like most, um, okay, and only when they're discounted, oh, great. But how much are they discounted, and are they still making more money from leisure travelers? They might be. Discounted from what? Yeah. This might be like law school, right? <laughs> Where they have the outrageously overinflated price in the first place and then they give everybody a discount. Yeah. 
then that doesn't it doesn't affect the argument at all. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, they'll only buy it if it's discounted. But don't worry, we overcharge them brutally in the first place. Yeah, give everybody a discount so they feel special. Then that doesn't do anything to this argument at all. Boom. It's Good example of one where we predicted the answer um, well before we read the question stem, by the way. Uh, reading the question stem here would not have helped us in the slightest because we read the argument, we attacked the argument, and it's like obvious. There, there's an obvious objection that could be made. And you make that objection, and it like half the time turns out to be the answer. If you made that prediction as well, congratulations, you're not alone. This is a difficulty one question out of five, which means a lot of people got it right. This is a good one to study if you didn't make that prediction, right? Or a yeah. good, you need to like kind of reassess your approach if you didn't make that prediction. If that wasn't, yeah, if you didn't have any thoughts along those lines, you might get this question right, but it means you're not clued in enough to what's going on. Yeah. Because this is an easy one to sort of like <laughs> say, like, bullshit. It's to give people an insight into like what LSAT tutoring looks like. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. LSAT tutoring would be I make you read the argument like Ben just did. Yep. Probably when you got to the semicolon, I would have been like, wait a second. Or I'll let you read the whole argument. And then when you get done with the argument, I'm like, what do you think about that? Yes. That's and if you say, tutoring. okay, <laughs> sounds good. You say, no, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, tell me, is this good or bad? Do you think they proved their conclusion or not? What do you think about it? And then sometimes the students will go because they want to please the teacher, right? So they'll go, oh, well, it's bullshit. Yes. You, you, they learn. They learn. At first they're like, it sounds good. Then they learn that that's usually not good. Sometimes it is good, though, because sometimes these arguments are okay. But... In most cases, they're not. And they start saying, oh, it's bullshit. And they even have that gusto, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, how? <laughs> yeah, just great. You're right. It is. Explain it to me. And then, you know, <laughs> hopefully I can make them get around to, you know, that, that's all I'm trying to do really is like elicit them to, to then make the prediction based on the argument, not based on the answer choices. And I'm like, do not look at the answer choices. Not even based on the question. No, not based on the question, based only on the argument. This is reason yeah. number 759 why reading the question stem first is dumb. It's because you just don't, you should already have come to that prediction way before you found out that this was a weakened question. It does not help yeah. you at all to know that this is a weakened question. Yeah. All right. Um, I think one LR question per episode has got to be enough, don't you think? Sure. All right. So let's just wrap it up then on this uh <laughs> Email that I still get from the uh, alumni list. Um, someday maybe they'll take me off of the alumni list for me popping off about it on the podcast all the time. But Chancellor and Dean David Fagman. Actually, you know what? Because we say his name, I, he's. I'm sure he's a, any publicity. He's is like good no, 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 no. Keep it, keep it. <laughs> yeah. I can take the heat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least you're talking about me. Um, it's, the subject is tenderloin litigation resolution. And it says, I'm not going to read all this. Dear UC Hastings community, less than six weeks ago, on May 4, I wrote to tell you that UC Hastings and five co-plaintiffs had filed suit against the city and county of San Francisco to seek desperately needed measures to clear the tenderloin of sidewalk-blocking tent encampments, semicolon, 
to address the serious problem of open air drug dealing, semicolon, and to increase the safety of all the neighborhoods housed and unhoused residents, businesses, and visitors. And I can see that Ben has highlighted that <laughs> sentence because that means that Ben is going to give us the word count. Yeah, you want to guess? <laughs> 30, no, no, 47. 68. 68. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two more words and you could wow. have two sentences that would still <laughs> fail our 35 word limit but i think we've knocked that down to 25 haven't we? i mean gosh 35 words that's that's absurd. it's it's also the incredible double semicolon <sighs> and then it's got the semicolon and yeah. There at the end, which I guess the way he's doing those, because he's doing lists within lists. He's right? doing lists within lists. And if you're doing lists within lists, you've got and, a problem. I just don't think it's a, it's and, a, it's a, it's grammatic, grammatically correct, but it's and, unnecessary. And Ben, of those, how many words? 68. 68? Mm-hmm. Four of them are and. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Maybe Boy, one and that. per sentence, but probably not. I love that. That's one of the best tips that you ever give, Ben. I love that you're just like, you, you are, you're always pointing out in documents that we edit together, you're always pointing out people's ands. Just like, <laughs> don't <laughs> make this two sentences. You do not need to put an and here. Or cut one of the things out. Yeah. You don't need to have this whole list of all the things. Pick one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Cool. So they have reached an agreement. Oh, sorry. We didn't get there yet because <laughs> he's burying the lead. He just gives the 67 word thing about the background without the. Okay. Anyway, it's like a summary of his last email. This is actually should have been his last email right here. <laughs> that would have been nice. Been the done. whole email, just that. Yeah. Boom. We filed suit. <laughs> okay. I am very pleased to announce today that we have reached an agreement with the city that will allow us to achieve these goals. Really don't like that. He keeps capitalizing city, but okay. First, the agreement provides for removing 70% of the tents on Tenderloin sidewalks by July 20 of this year from 416 to 124. What a random number. I know. Is that weird that they came, they like negotiated a deal. They got the city to commit to reducing the number of tents from 416 down to 120. The city was like, nope, we will not go lower than 124. How'd you like to be number 125? They're like, yep, sorry, buddy, your tent's got to go. And I guess they know the number of tents. There are 416. Yeah, they counted 416. (laughs) They're like, well, 124 of them we're going to keep. Okay, and offering options for the unhoused people to move to hotel rooms, uh, safe sleeping sites, or alternative shelter locations. It also commits the city to make all reasonable efforts to achieve the shared goal of permanently reducing the number of tents to zero, an objective the city has expressly committed to meeting under the agreement. The city has clearly stated its intention to provide sufficient sheltering options so that no resident of San Francisco must resort to sleeping on a sidewalk or street. This represents an enormous step forward for the homeless people of our city and for everyone who cares about the health, safety, and dignity of all of our citizens. You can tell, actually, Ben, when you read this whole email, he must have got some flack for that 
that lawsuit because he's he's like he's going he's taking <laughs> extra measures here to be like really conciliatory, like really respectful of the mm-hmm. homeless people, which I mean mm-hmm. it's a sad, sad problem. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean the truth is he sued the city of San Francisco to get the homeless people kicked out of his neighborhood. Yeah. That's what he did. Mm-hmm. And now he's like, you know, hey, I won. We're going to reduce the number of tents. Oh, don't worry, though. Really... They're all going to be safely housed. And I'm really concerned about the housing of these people. Yeah. yeah. Um, a second important initiative arising from the lawsuit is the establishment of a high-level working group to address the difficult and incessant problem of drug dealing in the neighborhood and the related ills that have created unsafe and unhealthy conditions in the Tenderloin for too many years. Why don't they put all this in their like admissions packet? <laughs> I will join Mayor London Breed on this working group. Retired presiding judge of the San Francisco Superior Court and current San Francisco Fire Commissioner, Catherine Feinstein, oh, UC Hastings, 1984, will chair <laughs> this group. It will be comprised of very senior le- very what senior the? leaders. Oh my in gosh. Pertinent capacities who will approach the multiple issues associated with drug dealing, including gang activity, street crime, mental illness, and drug addiction, from diverse perspectives seeking to identify systemic problems and provide novel solutions. Dude, this guy is. A word vomiter. He needs to get he rid like, of those fucking adjectives, dude. Those are gross. He's like a dictionary that just wants to <laughs> show its knowledge. We would not permit this in a personal statement. No way. Those adjectives are... That really makes me want to puke. Why do you have to have an adjective for every fucking noun? <laughs> we know that you're talking about drug dealing on the streets and homeless people. I don't think you need to... Dude, very senior leaders? That actually... like under. It has a weird image. It's like, as opposed to senior <laughs> leaders who have experience, you're thinking of experienced people. Now they're like, like very they need senior. to be put out to pasture, basically. Yeah, you know, is like, this like oh, Biden? Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's not just senior, he's a super senior. He, he, he's there at fucking dinner at 3.30 p.m., dude. Not, not just 5 p.m., he's there at 3.30 p.m. He gets the discount. He gets the senior, he gets the very senior menu, not just the senior menu. Dude, why do they have to be in pertinent capacities? <laughs> what? We thought you were going to put them Whoa. in capacities that were not pertinent? Are you getting qualified folks here? Because uh, I'm suspicious. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. And then it goes on and on. I don't know. I don't have any, I don't want to talk about it. That's it. Anyway, he sued the city of San Francisco and he won. I don't know. These things, who knows who wins, right? He he mm-hmm. got to do a press release, then he got to do another press release. And now he's claiming that, you know, they're going to clean up San Francisco because of him. Hey, check this out. I wanted to read this sentence because he lowercases the word city. Oh. The neighborhood houses more children per capita than any other district in the city. 3,000 children among some 20,000 residents. Thanks for that stat, by the way, Dean Fagman. Um, just odd. 
he's he he's yeah he's taking extra pains there to just you know list all of the many disenfranchised and disadvantaged people in the neighborhood and you know he's he's making all of the like signs of how much he respects all of these people that he basically is getting kicked out of the neighbor you know <laughs> like it's just Check this out. He's got he's got parentheses within parentheses. I know you're done with this email, but I, I'm just getting started. Um, what is up with that? I don't know what he's doing. He's listing in that part. He's just doing the. It's like the credits are rolling at the end of the movie because he's just listing every attorney who helped with this. And then defining lawsuit. things about them, which is like it's almost like a blue book. I mean, this is this is insane. Don't, don't, nobody goes to Hastings. Don't go to Hastings. Just don't. (laughs) You, you could go to USF. USF's up on the hill. USF is in a much nicer location. And USF, if you can get into Hastings, you can probably get a significant scholarship from USF. It's just every bit as good as a law of a law school. It is not, it is just fine. It is a fine regional law school, the same way that Hastings is a fine regional law school. And, um, Hastings is in a a very gross neighborhood. And I say that as someone who's lived in cities my whole life and I'm not really intimidated by gross neighborhoods, but it is about as gross as they get. So gross that the dean of the law school just sued the city (laughs) to try to get it cleaned up. And I'm sure that's going to be a smashing success. I'm sure that it'll all be solved now that they got the city to enter into this agreement. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Join the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. Uh, Find us at Thinking LSAT on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at InFox on Twitter. Ben is uh, at Innovator Ben on Instagram. LSATdemon.com is uh, the one-stop shop for LSAT prep these days, really. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're looking for. You want something that you can use for self-study? LSATdemon.com. You want to join me and us in our live classes seven days a week? You want to come to game night this Wednesday? Um, LSATdemon.com. Sign up for the live level and start doing live classes seven days a week. It's awesome. ThinkingLSAT.com if you want to read the show notes and join our uh, join the show newsletter. Um, the show notes are better than the show itself, so check that out. Leave us a review on iTunes, uh, please, and tell a friend. That was episode 251 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks, all y'all, for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school slash get paid for law school like Stress Free 1L.